Hi, I'm Sean Brown, and welcome to Inside the Strategy Room. As companies respond to the COVID-19 crisis, CFOs are playing a more critical role than ever. They need to help their organizations navigate the immediate business shocks while also preparing to emerge from the crisis in the best possible competitive position. In mid-April, we sat down with three McKinsey experts to learn their perspectives on key priorities for finance leaders. Ankur Agrawal is a partner in our New York office and leads our CFO finance service line in North America. Kapil Chandra is a senior partner in our London office and leads our finance work in Europe and on financial transformation and banking. Ishan Seth leads our strategy and corporate finance practice in the Americas and is also a leader in our financial services practice. Ishan, why don't you kick us off? This crisis seems to be further expanding the pressure and responsibilities of the CFO. How do you see and recommend that your client CFOs respond? Thank you, Sean. I think we can safely say we're living through a really unprecedented time. And we fundamentally believe that CFOs play critical roles, really first among equals roles on the executive team in helping their organizations navigate through this crisis along multiple dimensions, uh, helping stabilize a company in the near term, helping create the right conditions for growth uh, as we emerge from the crisis and, and over time, building the resilience that we believe will be needed through uh, the next several cycles. We've done a lot of thinking and work over the last several weeks, modeling out our views on different scenarios. And there's a very significant economic shock that we uh, need to be prepared for. We think the global GDP impact is in the range of 8 to 13%. To put that in context, um, the uh, financial crisis in 08-09 had us at a 4-ish percent uh, GDP hit. So this is, from an economic shock standpoint, catastrophic in terms of its magnitude, something that harkens back to the Second World War and the Great Depression in its intensity. So we, we've thought about these three sets of actions that we think CFOs ought to be thinking about in three different horizons or categories. The first piece is what we call resolve. This is all about the CFO's leadership stabilizing the organization. This has to do with stakeholder management, in particular with the board Uh, and with investors beyond, of course, bringing the employees and the broader organization along. The second element is all about liquidity. Preservation of cash is at a premium in many industries. And the standoff of a cash war room, we think, is a critical element. The third is having a point of view on different scenarios. Our belief is the wait-and-see approach is not the right one. We would encourage people to be thinking about at least four real scenarios, not three Uh, We find that when you go with three scenarios, you end up picking the middle one. But having real debate and dialogue around four scenarios and considering the business implications on your organization. So that's the first element, which is all about stabilizing in the midst of the crisis, nearer term and focus, where the CFO and the finance organization's leadership is really quite central. The second horizon is what we're calling resilience and return. And this is all about steadying the business as we enter the the new normal or the next normal. I should mention that a lot of the thinking is based on empirical research we did coming out of the last crisis, looking at 1,500 public companies in the US and in Europe, and actions they took both going into, during, and emerging from the last financial crisis. Three actions that we uh, highlight here, taking a through-cycle view of operational moves to support this performance, and in particular, doubling down on productivity activity and efficiency, and thinking about balance sheet and all moves around things like M&A through the crisis. So that's four. 
The fifth is about reevaluating the investment portfolio. Many of you, I'm sure, are dealing with a series of major CapEx or large technology or platform investment, big ticket items that were made in a different time in a different context. And we are seeing companies beginning to triage that book of work, looking at the list of investments and figuring out things that are absolutely mission critical and no regrets to move on, things that are more discretionary, and others where the ROI will need to be reevaluated given the current environment. There's a lot of important work that we think can happen in the very near term to bring some science to the investment portfolio. Um, six is about upskilling and turbocharging FP&A. Financial planning and analysis is in many ways the decision cockpit of the overall company, not just of finance. And we think this is a unique time for FP&A to really provide visibility around a handful of key metrics that the senior team and the board could be oriented around. So that's the second horizon here around resilience and return. And then the third piece is what we're calling reimagination and reform. And this has a lot to do with positioning the company for growth and reemergence from the crisis. Again, every company is in a different place. We were dealing with an airline player a few days ago who is literally uh, forecasting 0% revenue as their base case over the next six months. So depending on who you are and where you sit, this is going to impact you in very different ways. But there are three elements in this reimagined phase that we would urge CFOs and finance organizations to think hard about. The first is the idea of launching a plan ahead team. We think the era, at least for the next several years, of single time horizon planning is gone. The plan ahead team sits somewhere between the two to three year planning horizon strategy. This is about moving to the two day, the two month the two-quarter, and the two-year view, and having the portfolio of moves, the trigger points, and the thresholds of ideas that you would move on in each of those scenarios. And again, our strong encouragement here would be sitting back and waiting is not the way to go. Getting a plan ahead team in place is important now. Action eight is around M&A. We anticipate a real wave of integration, consolidation, and portfolio moves that will occur across most industries. As we looked at lessons from the last crisis, this was an area of tremendous activity for those who outperformed their peers emerging through 2009. And then finally, accelerating digital. I think most of us could not have imagined the level of remote capability and digital interaction that we're all experiencing. We think the time for finance to really take on the automation and the digitization of the function, the catalyst provided by this crisis in many ways, is unparalleled. Most companies are still managing the immediate fallout from the crisis. Koppel, what are some of the lessons learned from the performance of resilient companies through the last crisis and how they successfully returned to more normal business conditions? Some of the research that we did around the past crisis and models of success we think are actually quite central to what the CFO can uniquely emphasize. What you see is that there are a handful of companies that do really well during a crisis period. And those companies, when we look forward beyond the crisis, continue to outperform over time. The difference to the average S&P 500 was almost 2x. The companies who turned out to be in this resilient bucket during the crisis over 2007, 2011, actually different from those that were strong going in. So that's pretty interesting results. You see the difference in outperformance on revenues and EBITDA. And resilience outperformed both on top line and on margin. We looked at this empirically to try and discern what actions are driving this outperformance, this resilience. And what's interesting, many had this characteristic of true cycle actions, you know, actions that helped in the short term, but enabled the long term strategy 
of the organization. It was a mindset of we're not cutting costs, but we're spending wisely, as an example, for the margin point. People thought about in the moment of crisis, what could they do from the top line revenue perspective to build customer loyalty, which helped improve retention in the short term, but also build customer lifetime value in the long term. Mortgage holidays and really selective calling in of credit by some banks. That now in this crisis is far more mandated. I serve insurance companies. Some of the things that they're thinking about is motor insurance premiums, for instance. How can they return some of the fact that people aren't driving their cars and how do you build loyalty as a result of that? It's also an opportunity to zero-base their organization. In many ways, the people who came out of the crisis resilient took it as an opportunity to really clean sheet, rethink the way they conduct their business, their cost structure, their organization. Thanks, Kapil. What What moves did the resilience make on operating costs to position themselves to emerge strongly from the crisis? The resilience were taking immediate action to reduce operating costs. You know, the non-resilience got there in the end, but it was too late competitively because the resilience had gone ahead of the curve and were able, in fact, to sustain and increase the delta over time. The other subtlety to bear in mind is that the resilience did focus on cost reduction through operational effectiveness, but really protected growth and sales capacity. So while COGS were down, the sales capacity of these firms was indeed protected. The other lesson was the same speed that they showed in terms of action on the cost side, you also see in terms of balance sheet improvement. They responded much faster to managing leverage, and that actually gave them firepower as recovery occurred to conduct M&A and take on acquisitions at a point in time where others were struggling. Can you talk a little bit more about the opportunity that CFOs now have to raise the impact of their financial planning and analysis teams and how finance teams can help the overall organization embed some of this very instantaneous monitoring? One of the themes that does come out from all of our research is speed and boldness in making these shifts really matter. FBNA with CFOs have an ability really to turbocharge these operational improvements and these shifts. Budgeting, performance management, forecasting, all of these need to be done in a fundamentally different way with a fundamentally different metabolic rate. And so you have this decision cockpit where you monitor these and course correct incredibly rapidly. And this is a very different rhythm than many typical FBNA processes, which are more structured, more quarterly, more monthly processes. The point is how do you use existing technology and capability, which you can repurpose very rapidly to allow you to monitor these metrics on a very real-time digital basis. If you're talking seven to 10 high-impact variables and you want to create a new electronic dashboard, which is available for your top teams and can be drilled down, it isn't a long-term elegant solution, but people are finding ways to respond very rapidly to the crisis, which is allowing them to leapfrog things that would have in development taken much longer. Now is an opportunity to really try and make that happen much faster and then improve it over time. The CFOs I have interacted with have found that this crisis has forced just extreme prioritization, extreme demand management. Finance teams are really at the eye of the storm, but they are ruthlessly prioritizing what is important, what is not. Many are using this as a sort of great experiment. 
What about communications? Ishan, what approaches do you find CFOs taking with investors and other stakeholders? There's an internal piece and an external piece, right? And a lot of the early days have been occupied, which is taking charge of the situation. We've seen companies setting up nerve centers, providing that decision cockpit at the center of the organization. CFOs are often right in the middle of that. We've seen board interests obviously tick up significantly. And in general, more communication, not less, is important. It's upping the rhythm of those interactions with the board chair, the audit committee chairs and other members of the board, we would say is the direction of travel. Easier said than done, avoiding surprises with the board, always at a premium, but now more so than ever. And so having a clear plan with the CEO on what that cadence of communications is with the board is important. Similarly, messaging to the rest of the organization. CFOs play important roles as change leaders in both helping manage the understandable fear and anxiety that many of us are feeling, but also balancing that with a pragmatic view on what is achievable in terms of financial performance. That's a delicate balance, and we think CFOs play a key role on the internal messaging. And what about the external messaging to investors and analysts? This also must be a difficult arena for CFOs to navigate right now. This is a world in flux. The SEC have provided some pretty explicit outs that say we're not going to penalize you for being wrong as long as it was done with good faith and good intent. But there is clear encouragement to come forward with views on different scenarios. But I think there are three or four questions we'd hit on here. How is the virus impacting your business, right? We're seeing people beginning to do interesting things around transparency, slicing and dicing, uh, EBITDA impact by business and by COVID-affected and unaffected regions, showing results uh, based on scenarios or forward projections, providing indicators on operational, not just financial indicators, remote workforce and capability uptimes and availability of platforms, the degree of employee disruption by region and how that has cascaded through different weeks in the crisis. So there's a lot about providing transparency on the impact on the business that stops short of saying, here's what the actual numbers are going to be. There's obviously a question around guidance in general. What we are seeing is people moving away from providing EPS guidance, uh, certainly for the second quarter, and we're seeing that direction of travel through the end of the year. Some talk about restructuring charges and things we could take hits on now in the context of broader transformation. As much interest in how is management addressing the challenge? In our discussions in the last few days with investors and companies, as much interest in how the organization is mobilizing. How is the senior team communicating? What are the protocols? What are the governance mechanisms? How are you actually managing liquidity and cash? So providing, again, operational indicators on how the organization is thinking about working through the crisis. As business and life start to normalize, what role do you see CFOs playing in preparing their organizations for that new normal? Ankur? Continuing on this theme of, you know, how do you leverage this crisis, there is an element of thinking hard and fast about the strategy and the strategic plan will evolve. And related with that, what kinds of bold moves you can make? In times of crisis, and I'll take military as an example, the enemy is moving very rapidly, casualty rates are high, and there are soldiers fighting on the front line. That analogy actually applies here too, uh, where the crisis is unfolding in many different ways. And having a notion of a plan ahead team, a cross-functional team enabled by a couple of senior executives, really thinking about how the plans will unfold two weeks, in four weeks, in a quarter, and a year, two years ahead. So very deliberate approach, which you can almost modularize function by function, thinking hard about scenarios, 
And from those scenarios, what is the general direction of travel? How your sector and your particular competition and your own company is going to move and respond? And based on that, what are the three or four actions you want to take, both in the near term, but also in the middle term? I think that's a must-have. Companies are rapidly mobilizing their infrastructure for the crisis management. It's equally important to think about the plan head team and having a transparency and a perspective on the triggers, which will help you move from one scenario to another. Thanks, Ankur. Both Ishan and Kapil earlier mentioned that M&A can be an important lever in positioning one's company for a strong post-crisis return. What are some of the lessons on M&A that CFOs should be applying right now? The research very clearly suggests that in the last recession, even in the dot-com bubble earlier, the companies who... uh, came out stronger were those who really worked hard on their mergers and acquisitions, but also divestitures. They also divested the assets which did not fit in their strategy. That was the counterintuitive part we found in our research. Interestingly, the kinds of mergers and acquisitions they did were closer to their core businesses. So there were still some hesitant, and rightly so, because in times of crisis, you don't want to make step-out moves. But there are lots of available acquisitions which are very synergistic with your core business and even adjacent businesses. Half of the transactions uh, in these times of recession were on the core businesses. The word of caution here, as valuations drop, there is a tendency to be opportunistic. So being deliberate about what kinds of moves you want to make and using this crisis to accelerate your existing strategy may be the way to think about acquisitions. And each sector will have a different flavor of it. In some cases, Cross-border acquisitions may not be relevant. Healthcare, where I work a lot, companies are thinking hard about digital acquisitions because digital enablement of delivery of care has become uh, quite common and the adoption of technology is changing the way organizations are reaching patients. We have published research before that shows programmatic M&A, where companies take a systematic approach to pursuing several small to mid-sized deals per year, yields the best results. Does that also hold for crisis times like today? The programmatic acquisition strategies, even in the time of downturn, yielded significant excess TRS. Those are companies which have significant M&A programs, but more than two acquisitions, uh, up to 15% of market cap. So they are made small bets which contribute to a meaningful size in aggregate. The empirical data bears out that having a programmatic approach in acquisition at the time of downturn actually helps. And those large acquisitions, TRS is actually negative. The probability of success and ability to beat the market is harder. As you suggested earlier, technology and connectivity have also played huge roles in helping us weather this crisis. How can CFOs capture the opportunity this presents for their function and organizations as a whole? These are times where digital technologies, considerations around redundancy, the the business cases around digital acquisitions, the channels which companies are using to reach customers, It is at the forefront of the discussion at many companies. The last recession, many companies would leverage digital, whether it is infrastructure, using cloud as an example, Internet of Things, and different ways approach customers. Those who leverage digital technologies really leapfrog the competition. We think that this crisis will also have a similar implication, not only for finance, which Kapil talked about, of leveraging digital automation, but also for the overall enterprise digital investment, there'll be significant opportunity to make 
bold bets. I think it's last three or four years, we have seen lots of investments go into digital technologies. Many companies have been stuck in this sort of constant theme of pilots and experiments, making bold moves. It's only single determinant of success, resilience, and not only disproportionate investments, but really thinking hard about areas where the business model itself could be transformed by digital technologies is something which you'd encourage uh, everybody to think about. Obviously, CFOs across the economy right now are feeling enormous pressure. Could you finally talk a little bit about the role finance leaders can take in helping their companies and their teams navigate the crisis as it unfolds? Finance and CFO leaders have a big role to play in this crisis. This is an opportunity for them to be not only driving crisis management, but helping build a plan to come out of the crisis, finding talented individuals and putting them in charge on initiatives, the cash war room. There are softer sides of their personal leadership, which are more important than ever in this crisis, leading teams empathetically and showing their personal passion. And finally, it's about making sure that they're communicating frequently, effectively, transparently with the boards and investors, and also within their own teams. I was talking to one CFO yesterday who's sending out blogs and emails to his team every two days, reflecting on how he's personally dealing with the crisis. Those kind of actions present a great opportunity for the CFOs to be leaders. Ishan, Kapo, and Ankur, thank you so much for sharing your perspectives today. And thank you to our listeners for joining us inside the Strategy Room. A transcript of this podcast will be posted on the Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice site on McKinsey.com, where you may also find links to our previous episodes. McKinsey's latest insights on the crisis are also available at McKinsey.com slash coronavirus. If you'd like to receive our latest insights, you can sign up for email updates on our practice website, follow us on Twitter, at MCK Strategy or connect with our community on LinkedIn via the McKinsey Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice page. Thanks again for listening and we look forward to having you join us again soon for our next episode of Inside the Strategy Room.